1: not roads. And if the stops yeah, this thing might you hear, the show. And If you don't like
0: it, go to the and let know. Hello everybody, welcome to Rewind of Dynamite. This is our AEW Dynamite Post show here to talk about fight fighter fest week two. Uh, John Pollock, of course, is on vacation, so we are having a bit of a rotating roster of guest hosts here, and I'm very pleased to announce, for the first time on one of these Rewind shows, from the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, you know him as The Professor, you know him as Moderna Chris, you know him as Chris from LA. It is Chris Ely. Welcome to the show, Chris.
1: Hey, Wade, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm actually... I'm glad that you um asked me to review a show that i actually like cuz i often when i at, when i like for other networks um they always ask me to review like raw or smackdown mm-hmm. and and i i hate those shows this show was was decent tonight so i'm cool and i'm glad to be in post a place that's free of um politics and religion and <laughs> all that so
0: we, we always try to make a safe space here, uh, something that is, is here for everybody. Okay. No controversies, right, right. uh, on this side of the uh, podcasting world, but, uh, I'm very happy to have you here, Chris. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're somebody, you're a man, obviously, of, of many, many opinions. Uh, you are, uh, you know, arguably a breakout star of the new wrestling advocates, uh, somebody who's recently done, been doing some writing work over at WrestleNomics as well. So you're somebody with, a, an opinion I very much respect, have not had a chance to even personally speak to you about. Your thoughts on AEW. So I'm going to look forward to this one. And this seemed to be a pretty big show to talk about. But first of all, uh, some plugs for what's coming up later this week. Of course, right now, we have our uh, latest editions of MCU Later talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. We've got our G1 coverage that's covering everything all the way up until today, which is day three, which was a stinker of a G1. Uh, and if that does not necessarily sound enticing, hopefully you um, maybe hearing somebody complain about the G1 might be up your alley. If not, skip this one. Simply listen to us or just skip it entirely because uh, we will be back on Sunday with me and John covering uh, the weekend shows. But that is not uh, until later on. On Saturday, we have our a Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor review with me and Kate from Montreal in the Post Wrestling Cafe exclusively for patrons. The Wellness Policy comes out tomorrow live at 3 p.m. Eastern for everybody. I'll be dropping a link out there. Uh, if you follow me at way 937 we'll be ch- talking about Jordan Goodman's Bummer Summer. And uh, if you want to find out what that is, well, uh, tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern time uh, at PostWrestlingCafe.com. Uh, also, rewind to SmackDown on in Rampage, and then Saturday it is the return of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, but more on all of that a little bit later. We are here to talk about AEW Fighter Fest week two, night number three, Chris. Are you somebody who's been uh keeping up every single week with the AEW product? How much exactly do you watch?
1: Oh, yeah, I watch AEW religiously. That's the one show that I do watch live every week. Um, and, and even Rampage because it, it out here it comes on early. So I still have um, time to watch it at, what, I think it's 7 p.m. on the West Coast. And then me and my girlfriend could go out and um, do our date thing, do our date night thing. So she's happy, I'm happy. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I uh, like the thing I love the most about AEW is even if the show isn't great, it's, it it never feels like, a chore to watch if that makes sense you know it just feels like okay that wasn't a good show but i think it might be going somewhere next week so
0: i can safely say there is never a shortage of something to talk about coming off of dynamite in fact maybe part of the issue is that there's almost too much to talk about because they load these shows and today was certainly the case because um so much more respect i mean i have i have all the respect in the world already for john but taking like the play-by-play notes for this thing god yeah. it, it is a it is a lot of work so yeah
1: and i took some notes too so hopefully you know between the two of us because there it was a lot it was it was a lot to catch and um is it, is it, it, yeah it, it's is like if you go to the bathroom you miss something right there's no downtime
0: you got to install a TV in the bathroom, okay? If you right. want to be covering Rampage uh while, you know, trying to attempt um to 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 live any sort of human life here. Right. But here we are. Let's get into it, Chris. Fighter Fest week 2. This is uh in in promotion really for Shark Week on Discovery here. We have uh, big Shark Week banners all around the apron and the barricade, so really a bit of a title sponsor here for AEW. And we start things off. Darby Allin versus Brody King. It starts off incredibly hot here with Darby Allen delivering a big Tope Suicida right off the bat. Brody withstands the barrage and just, you know, pretty much sets up a big underdog babyface performance from Darby Allen here. The crowd is already so loud. Brody slows the pace. He's beating on Darby. The commercial break is all Darby selling with Brody pretty much ragdolling him around. Back on the floor, Darby takes off his belt and uses it to tie Brody's legs together, tripping him onto the floor and setting up for another big Tope Suicida. Darby is caught in the tree of woe back in the ring, and Brody is just killing him with these giant chops. Brody, I thought, looked great in this. Right. To me, like this was his best TV performance to date, better than how he came across against Mox. And much of that is the you know big man, little man dynamic that they set up mm-hmm. here. Uh, Darby exposes the turnbuckle, pulls Brody into it, drawing a little bit of blood, it seemed. Goes for the stunner, but Brody counters with the sleeper, hanging Darby off the apron like he used to eliminate him from that battle royal. We get a count of nine, but Darby makes it back into the ring. However, he walks right into a gonzo bomb, and uh, Brody King beats Darby Allen here. Very clean, very dominant. I thought a tremendous opener, Chris.
1: Oh, yeah, I love this opener. Um, The one thing I love about uh, Darby Allen is his ability to fight from underneath. Um, he, it, any match that I see him in with a guy that's two, three times his size, um, he doesn't get offense in by like bossing up to him. He, he kind of sneaks it in and, and gets lucky, like in a real fight with, if, if, you know, that with these two and, um, and, you know, it seems like they're serious about, uh, Brody King and I don't think a loss Hurts um, Darby Allen at all? I think Darby Allen's one of those guys who, um, you know, is an underdog, so you expect him to lose sometimes. And I think uh, Brody Brody King looked very good, like you said.
0: Hmm. I thought this was like a really great follow-up to, you know, like a string of spotlight appearances from Brody King between the Battle Royal to the Moxley match. I thought this one was the one that probably <clears throat> cemented him the most, in my opinion. You yeah. know, it was, like I said, his most impressive performance to date. Darby, Al- I mean, Brody King like owes Darby Allen, I don't know, some some new wheels <laughs> for his skateboard or something because that right, made, did him yeah. a huge favor. He made Brody look incredible. Uh, yes. Gr- and, and a great crowd off the top here as well.
1: This, this Atlanta crowd was hype, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been to shows in Atlanta. Like for me and Nate, it was born in Atlanta. Atlanta is like a second home for me. It's my second favorite city in the United States of America. In one of my least favorite states in the country. So, uh, but yeah, this this crowd was. I was. I, I love this crowd tonight, man. I thought they. Really made the show for me.
0: They were incredibly hot. Post match here. We got Brody King. He's continuing to beat on Darby Allen, but out comes Sting. He's about to hit the death drop to Brody, but then the lights go out, and here comes Malachi Black. He comes in here and he miss Sting. And out comes with Aviator Shades, one of his eyes bandaged and blacked out. It is the return of the Redeemer Miro. They are continuing to sell that eye injury from him, his him getting it, of course. So it looks like they are trying to tie these two, you know, House of Black opponents together in Miro with some indirect association, perhaps with Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, what would you think of some of the post match here?
1: Oh yeah, I, I love the post match. I love Miro, man. I just think, of um, like I, I, I'm not a big fan of Hook. Because I think they're, they're always, like, trying to make him cool. Um, and mm. I think that uh, Br- uh, Miro just comes across as cool, you know? He doesn't it, – it's not like um, anybody's, like, trying to, for him to be cool or telling him to be cool. Um, and um, I'm looking forward to whoever uh, Miro is going to feud with in this faction. I think it'll be um, um, a sight to see.
0: I think the House of Black comes out of this whole segment looking incredibly hot. You right know, now, it's not just Malachi leading sort of a couple of you know dudes. Like now, we, because Brody King, I think, has taken a real step up lately, especially with this match. Yeah. it feels like there's two really hot guys right now in the in the in the in the in the thing, and maybe you know Buddy Matthews and and Julia Hart are are not far behind with getting a bit of shine themselves. Uh, so the feud is, I would say, in very good shape. I
1: think in the so. Back,
0: in the back, we have. Tony Schiavone. I, I think this was Tony. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was Tony. It's hard to keep track, everybody. It's a very fast moving <laughs> show. Tony Schiavone is with Cole Carter. And if you're not familiar with that name, well, maybe you recognize the name of Two Dimes. This is Two Dimes. the recently ousted Two Dimes from NXT 2.0 from Tony D'Angelo's group. Um, he comes out here under his real name and real uh, gimmick, I suppose, in Cole Carter. He is interrupted by... Ricky Starks because he's about to compete for the FTW championship today after taking part in a few dark matches actually so Starks comes in and he mentions Car- Car- yes. Um <laughs> sleeping with the fishes the last time that we saw him of course Ah, uh, being thrown off the bridge uh, in storyline by Tony D'Angelo. Right. Uh, but Stark says, tying this in with Shark Week, he's now swimming with the with sharks. With the
1: sharks. That was. I thought that line was the light of the night. I think it served two purposes. You're promoting Shark Week, and you're promoting <laughs> that he's no longer in Whackass 2.0, uh, which is a garbage fucking show. I have to say that every time I'm on the air, I hate that show, <laughs> but. I thought that was a great tie-in.
0: Uh, so they're having an FCW match tonight. And, you know, do you have any first impressions on Cole Carter? Maybe even before talking about his in-ring. What do you think about his look?
1: I think he looks, like, real plain. I think they're still, like, he's got to, if he's going to be signed to AEW, they have to find a personality for him. And I, I think that, you know, this introduction match with, um, with Stark's, is is a good first outing um i think he you know as far as um i don't expect him to have a personality on his first like real day of work um be, this is being his first dynamite match uh
0: my notes i feel like are all over the place our next segment i think i might have like uh put this in in a different order unfortunately so wait uh so tell me what it was what was the next segment here what do we have here
1: so i was it have- tr i have uh the wild thing but um it was not- Ah, okay 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 yeah.
0: apologies everybody i i again this is a very fast moving show so my notes are unfortunately all over the place here but we got wheeler yuda and john moxley versus the best friends up next yuda is going up against his former teammates in the best friends of course Orange Cassidy is on commentary, and of course he doesn't say much, but you know what he does say is kind of funny. Regal is also on commentary, so he does the bulk of the talking for the two of them. Yuta tags in; he calls out his early mentor Chuck Taylor, and they he- share some time in the ring with Chuck, almost looking a little bit reluctant to have this fight. You know, with what he looked looks as still as a bit of a friend. Regal explains the reasons why Yuta chose them over the best friends. And there's this big slap, presumably from Yuta to Trent, but we don't see it because of the cameras uh, missing it, unfortunately. But it leads to a very heated exchange between Trent and Yuta. Trent, of course, in storyline, does not have that same relationship with Yuda. In fact, he claims that he never liked him. Mm-hmm. So Trent is very aggressive with Yuta throughout the match, and it leads to Chuck pulling Trent off of Yuta to tell him to go easy on him. Right. Yuda responds in the heated moment by decking Chuck, and now Chuck is fully into the fight. He has no reason to protect Yuta anymore. And uh, during commercial, the best friends double team Yuta. And you can't hear them, but this crowd is absolutely going crazy for the Mox hard, hot tag. And uh, Yuta is just getting beaten up on. Hot tag to Mox, and he unloads on both Trent and Chuck, sending Taylor to the ringside table. Later, Chuck is back in. He hits the awful waffle to Mox, leaving Yuta alone to take two pile drivers from the best friends. But Yuta kicks out a two yuda mounts a comeback eats trent's crunchy Mm -hmm. mox comes in a save and now everybody's down yuda locks in a guillotine but taylor fights out and chuck goes again for goes again for the awful waffle but yuda reverses with a really nice looking pin combination getting the win and orange cassidy one of the few words he says throughout the the broadcast was telling us that chuck taylor taught yuda that particular pin what do you think of the match chris
1: it was a fine match. Um, it was, it's one of those matches, you know who's gonna win it. Um, it was, I think, it was just something to get Mox and Willer Euler and the best friends on TV. I had no problem with it.
0: I really like this match. You know yeah. maybe maybe it sounds like more than you did, Chris, because I think we've seen this entire roster te- when it comes to technical wrestling. When it comes to you know good brawling or high flying, like ninety percent of this roster has it to me it's the storytelling that takes these matches to a different level and this match almost felt like it was the resolution to that Yuta best friend storyline that I don't necessarily feel like we right. fully explored mm-hmm. I love the various dynamics here between the the, four, the really the three men but I mean if you want to include Mox in there that's fine too Yuta is the guy who you know has broken up and he's moved on Chuck is the guy who knows he shouldn't like this kid but still holds feelings for Yuta Trent just sees betrayal and he's just willing to like, you know, like go in. And Mox is just the guy who wants to fight. And I thought everybody played their dynamics together really beautifully. And, you know, for Chuck Taylor, like it felt like the most significant thing I've seen him do in AEW in quite some time. Great outing for Trent, who looked really aggressive. And uh, another really great story building opportunity for Yuta, who, you know, unfortunately, this did nothing to build to that match with Garcia happening this Saturday. Yeah. But but it was still a very good match for him,
1: right? You mentioned like all the different motivations in this match. Um, well, I'll probably watch it again. I, I didn't hate the match. I thought it was good. Um, it, I just it just wasn't like you know it 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 was it was fine. It wasn't bad. It it wasn't bad at all. I like, I need to choose my words carefully because the AEW fans on Twitter will come for me. So. But I did, I did like the match. I'm gonna Will flip you... my lights on real quick. Give me, yes,
0: please. please. Yeah, you I'm go not, ahead.
1: Like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Just, <laughs> the, the, the Alexa didn't.
0: You're not okay. going to house a black us uh, and spit mist into my eyes, are you?
1: Yeah, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're good now. So
0: we get a little video for Gresham versus Castagnoli, <clears throat> and that's about as much build as we get for that ROH uh, title shot. Uh, let me just kind of take this opportunity to say, like, you know, let me ask you, Chris, how, what did you think about maybe the, the integration or at least what, what sort of build we had for ROH Death Before Dishonor on the show, and what is your personal lo- level of interest in it?
1: Um, I'm I'm interested in it, but I like ROH and I like AEW, so I, I don't think the build to this was was good at all. Um, they A- ROH really needs its own like destination show. Um, Because right now it just kind of feels like they're interloping on AEW television, even with like Caprice Coleman coming out every week. It just it just doesn't feel like um a real thing yet, you know, and I understand because I, I heard Tony Khan say in a press conference that he bought ROH on a whim because it was up for sale. Hmm. And he, he just bought it immediately and didn't really have any plans for it. And I understand that because, you know, if I had the money, I would have bought ROH myself. But I do think we we we're, we're past the point of its novelty and it needs to be like, where can I watch ROH every week? Because I, this is kind of a little a little grading for me.
0: Yeah, nothing like those, you know, on a whim types of um, spur of the moment, um, twenty to forty million dollar spends, eh? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. I wish I had that kind of money, man.
0: So you know, I, I think it's it's really telling, perhaps, how much or how how little uh, I should say, ROH, built we actually had for this. If you're going to do any of it, it would have been on this the Go Home show, and. We had elements of it, but um especially in the FTR segment, we'll go go on to talk about, and maybe ultimately that's what's most important because that seems to be your biggest main event, but this hardly felt like a go-home show for a pay-per-view that's coming up. And nah, not I at all. you know it, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder about what sort of like relationship um Tony Khan and Warner have with uh Ring of Honor. Like is he does he have? Does he have to clear how much you know he he's able to promote this side project of his when he's you know supposed to be pu- really just pushing AEW on this show? Um, all I could say is the countdown special that they released this this week on their YouTube is tremendous. Okay, um, right. and maybe part of it is because. We've had so little of it on the actual TV itself that so much of the storytelling feels completely fresh and worth watching on this countdown show. Or it's the fact that when you really look into it, a lot of these guys have very deep histories with the Ring of Honor brand. And they have all that footage to use to tell those stories. That includes Jonathan Gresham, of course. That includes Claudio Castagnoli. You would never know it, but you know, one of the themes of his match going into uh, Saturday with Gresham is that um, something like, what is it? T- 2007, 15 years ago yeah. at death before dishonor, he failed in an ROH title opportunity against Takeshi Morishima. And, and this is almost his redemption, or at least his attempt to regain uh, or, 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 you know, um, re- recover from that loss. Um, the footage that they had for Samoa Joe versus Jay lethal told a much deeper story than you would be led to believe right. just by watching this show with all that Sutton, I'm saying bullshit. Um and it, it it's just it's it's a show I highly recommend people go go and check out if they intend on watching ROH on Saturday and right. it's just a shame we didn't get that anything close to that level of storytelling in this build on 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 the AEW TV itself.
1: Right, yeah, I think I think so too because I I watched it also and I yeah like you said it was it gave you way more than we got on television. Um, I I'm struggling to understand why there isn't um, an AEW presence on HBO Max. It seems like it would be a natural fit, like just like how um, WWE has its own section on Peacock out here. Um, it, ju- it just seems like something that should happen, you know? Um, and and again, ROH, I mean, you got to start doing something with this because it, it, it really doesn't, Nothing feels important on television. Now, like you said, that the Countdown special I thought was, was tremendous, but I just, like, when you watch um, AEW programming, it doesn't seem like this is something you're supposed to go out of your way to watch.
0: Yeah, well... You know, all, all all those extra things. Like, I'm sure this is part of the test. Maybe the pilot program to be able to show a potential broadcaster, "Hey, look, without TV, we're able to accomplish this much." Would you be interested in airing us? Maybe there's part of that too, right? Um, you know, I, I I mean, we we can only speculate about maybe what the rules are, if there are any, about like how much ROH Tony's able to promote on on his TV. But um, yeah. I just I, I found it kind of interesting, at least to to discuss and and to to guess uh, off of this show. Uh, back to Dynamite here. We have Swerve in our glory. This is their tag team championship celebration. The crowd is chanting, you deserve it. Swerve introduces us to his friend, best selling rapper, Kevin Gates, who is here to join in on the celebration. One of several rappers, uh, appearing on this edition of Dynamite. Any, any thoughts on Kevin Gates' appearance here?
1: Yeah, I thought it was cool, man. Um, Kevin Gates is, I mean, he he does have a new album. I, would, I only heard one song on it, so I'm going to listen to more of it. I think Kevin Gates is fine. He was, he was hanging with the Young Money crew, right? Um, Like Lil Wayne and those guys, I, I think.
0: You tell me, Chris, because right. I'm out of the loop completely.
1: Okay, so, so you don't have a, a favorite Kevin Gates song?
0: I do not, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I will agree that he looks a little like young M.A. Because that is what Mark right. Sterling accuses as he interrupts the celebration with Tony Knees. He presents the petition against Swerve Strickland. He wants Kevin Gates' signature on it. And he says that he almost got excited earlier in the back because it, it was he thought it was young M.A. instead of Kevin Gates. Gates refuses to sign. Sterling says, like Swerve, you're untrustworthy and your music sucks. Gates crosses the barricade and is met by Tony Nees get a bit of a stare down before gates delivers a right hand knocking tony knees to the ground swerve then follows up by throwing the cake into sterling's face and this is the end of the segment a bit of a you know celebrity integration here on AEW dynamite uh, your thoughts on how this uh came across for swerve in our glory
1: um i thought it was i thought it was fine i thought that i thought they made swerve because last year I really did think that that uh, six six way tag match was um was um or I don't even know it was like three teams three team tag team match or whatever. Um, I thought it was a match of the year candidate. I really did enjoy that match. Um, this week they made them feel important. Um, Kevin Gates is a is a rapper that people know. He I think he's out of uh Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. So I I'm pretty sure he, he was with the uh Young Money crew. Um and I and I like a couple of his songs. I like um I like uh Pop Stars and uh there's another song that he has. Um can't think of it at the moment. Um but I I think he's I think I think this is a good celebrity integration. I don't think Eric Neese is somebody. Tony Nice. <laughs> Tony Neese. Why would I say Eric Nice. I'm thinking of MTV back in the day. Uh, but I don't think Tony Neese is somebody that's at the top of the priority list at the moment. He can afford to get punched by a rapper. Um, they didn't do a, a silly ass rap battle or anything. Um, they didn't embarrass. Um, that's, that's on Friday. Right, but but they're doing a bad, but it's between uh, the wrestlers though. Okay, like, so, I, I don't, like like um, do you remember on I think it was Raw or SmackDown when uh, what's his name, Flow Rider and uh, uh-huh. the the Bo Dallas I think it was had a um a, um. Rap Dude, I don't out. I
0: don't remember what happened on Monday, so I I'll take yeah. your word for it that that occurred flow R- yeah, and, yeah. and and the b team okay you know um i just googled eric niece just out of curiosity and yeah, um the it turns out chris you named tony niece's infant son or at least at this point he's would be two ah. and a half because that is the name of his child so um eric niece you're, you're not that far off you're about a, one generation off from eric oh, okay. and tony there uh Okay, so so that is sort of in our glory. Yeah, I thought this came across pretty well for them. You know, made them feel like a big deal, and it made them feel like um just you know uh, like like they they had a presence outside of uh, the rest for professional wrestling world. In the back, we are met with Silver and Reynolds. They are with Butcher and the Blade. They want to present Butcher and the Blade with T-shirts. They give Butcher a But shirt, and they for some reason give Blade also. A Butch shirt, and they're having none of this because Butcher and Blade just attacked them. Hangman Page comes in for the save, and Excalibur almost seems to let on that Reynolds may be injured in some sort of significant way coming off of this, so we might... I mean, at least my... the indication to me was that we might see Page fill in for Reynolds here against um, Butcher and the Blade. We'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Christian and Luchasaurus are out next to take on the Varsity Blondes. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the last time Christian wrestled. So when this was announced, I mean, it was, of course, a bit significant. And maybe it had some people feeling a little bit skeptical as well. Because Christian starts the match, but quickly tags out before we see any activity. Luchasaurus ends up pretty much having a two-on-one handicap match, beating up both Varsity Blondes. Christian merely tags in to take the pinfall victory. But after the match, a returning jungle boy shows up, walking slowly to the ring with a chair. He has a face-to-face stare down with Luchasaurus before Luchasaurus steps aside and turns around, showing some form of reunion between the two as Jungle Boy chases after Christian throughout the arena and out of the arena. Um, I have enjoyed Christian on some level. I mean, controversial right. as he may be. I think his you know promos have, have been well-delivered and the intent is to get people to talk he has greatly achieved it. I've not been so hot on this. Whatever's been going on with Luchasaurus, and I don't know, Chris. Did you see today as a resolution to him? Was this a face turn, or is this just another setup for another swerve?
1: No, nah, it's. A, it seems like it's a setup for another swerve. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. I just, it just, they, they haven't made it make sense to me yet um i am um hopeful that they'll do something i thought that um i know that jungle boy isn't like a a lister in aew but i think he's important enough to where it, his return should have at least been promoted you know um it just it just felt like this could have they could have treated it like a bigger deal than it was and it just felt like a, a throwaway thing on a show that was already packed
0: Hmm. yeah certainly by the end of it i'm i'm really not thinking so much about this Jungle boy thing but i right. think for me it, it partly at least has to do with like how vague they've been with this entire luchasaurus thing or at least maybe how yeah. poorly they've been communicating this whole luchasaurus deal so from what i am trying to gather um luchasaurus you know wanted to know why christian attacked such a uh, jungle boy and then for some reason, like, uh, he decides to join Christian Cage, presumably because of something having to do with Marco's stunt. So mm-hmm. it almost seemed like there was some form of blackmail involved. Um, Christian was about to reveal the answer, but didn't that week. Right. And he's been seemingly just kind of, you know, wrapped around Christian's finger this whole time until this week where he seems to have sided with Jungle Boy. So um, I guess there is a story there, but I, I don't know yeah. how interested I am in it uh, just yet.
1: You know? Yeah, I'm with you. I think there is a story there, and I don't know the story that they're telling, but um, I do think AEW has the ability to kind of make it make sense. That's one thing that I do like about this company is sometimes things don't make sense in the beginning, but not bit, always,
0: though, Chris. You know, yeah. like I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a there's a guy with a torn pec right now who. Seemed to set up a lot of stories that really kind of went in, in into no directions.
1: Well, he was uh, he was he was gonna he was planning on jumping ship, you know. That's the <laughs> yes. he, he was setting up his exit probably. That's probably why he he had no direction <laughs> with his provost.
0: Setting up his stories for five years later when he makes his right, return.
1: Right? Yeah. Exactly.
0: Uh, we hear from the Gun Club who have cut. The acclaimed out of their lives, Austin Gun challenges Max caster to a rap battle on rampage, so look out for that. Jeb Ross comes in as we get our this is this where f t r show up or or is this the f t w title I'm sorry by no okay, wrong.
1: okay so the the next match is Cole Carter versus Starks thank um, you do, do I, can I say something real quick about the gun club and the acclaimed yeah of course oh. Uh, I really do think they should have been left a faction. Neither team is winning the tag titles anytime soon. Um, I And I just don't, I, I don't see where this is. This doesn't, I think these guys, at least the gun club, the scissor me daddy stuff was, at least it was something. And now it just seems like they're going to go back to both teams just being just kind of there. That's all I want to say about that. And then it was Jim Ross and uh, Coke. And then Cole Carter versus Starks.
0: So we got for the FTW title, Cole Carter, the former two dimes, taking on Ricky Starks. The crowd is chanting Ricky. Carter storms with some really fast offense, sending Starks to the floor before Mm -hmm. the break, uh, where Starks is complaining that he needs a break. And, of course, we go to commercial right there. Back from break, Carter misses a 450 and then eats a spear as Ricky wins the match. Uh, I'm sorry my notes weren't a bit more filled out, but I I did think this was a decent debut for Carter, who was booked to look... Like he was almost, you know, mm, an unexpected challenge for Ricky Starks, who um, Mm. who almost was taken by surprise. What did you think of the match?
1: Yeah, I think um, Carter was booked to feel like he matters. Um, And I thought for a first outing, it was um, perfectly fine. I I actually, because I don't care about the FTW title. I didn't care about it in the ECW days. I don't care about it now, but I do appreciate Jim Ross um, selling that title. I thought he 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 tried he tried his best to make it important. I'm one of those people. I, I, I know the internet is split on Jim Ross. I I actually like Jim Ross as a commentator because um, I think even when he, he reminds me of like my some of my favorite. Old commentators that used to F up all the time, you know, a commentary like from, from, yeah, from like <laughs> baseball and basketball. Like they're, they're like, you, if you if you like watch like Marv Albert these days, he's not the sharpest guy on the planet, but he, I mean, I, this is, you know, in the sports that I watch, there's always at least one old ass commentator. <laughs> that flubs words a lot and says off the wall stuff. So that's why I like uh, Jim Ross. But um, yeah, I, I thought Cole Carter. Um, I don't think he was going anywhere as two dimes. Um, I think he has at least a fighting chance in AEW. And he may or might may not be successful.
0: Is there room for a Cole Carter right now in an AEW? You know,
1: I think, I, I think you kind of in, in this ret- wrestling landscape, you kind of have to make room for yourself. You know, I think that, you know, when AEW, when ROH gets a show, th- there's going to be something for the people that are able to stick around. So mm-hmm. I don't like. Room for him, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily like. A fair question, but it is it is a fair question in the sense. But he that, gets
0: a shot, is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, he's at least getting something, man. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think that I, I don't like the 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 stuff with that click in NXT anyway. Just the Italian stereotypes and all that. I thought it's dumb and stupid mm-hmm. and dated. At least here, we can see what happens. Mm-hmm.
0: Ricky Starks grabs the mic. He says he's just getting started tonight, so he's ready for another open challenge. Taz can't believe what he's hearing on commentary, but out comes Danhausen to accept. Starks clarifies he doesn't mean right now, and the crowd boos, Tease up the match, and we get it next week here. So, um, you know, I'm loving Starks getting some momentum here Yeah. with these open challenges. I love that they're actually putting some focus on this FTW title to just rem- remind people that it even exists. Um, it's a nice little way to build up a a, a match next week between Starks and Dan Houser. We have Willow Nightingale, Athena, and Chris Statlander being interviewed. Layla Gray is not going to be here for their six-woman tag against the baddies tonight. So Stokely Hathaway has somehow negotiated something to ban Chris Statlander from being ringside. And in all of this, there's, you know, continues to be some, some slight dissent teased here between Statlander and Athena with both of them wanting to go for the TNT championship. So there we go. Uh, Okay. This is when we have our FTR interview here. A huge reaction for FTR. Dax talks up their war with the Briscoes, calls it their biggest fight of 2022 he respects the Briscoes for what they've done over the past 20 years, but they're going to have to take these titles from their cold, dead hands. Ca- Man, I keep getting mixed those two mixed up. I mean, Cash <laughs> for the first one.
1: Dax, Dax is the bald one, right?
0: Dax is the bald one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, after the, like Dash and Dawson, I think was already tough enough, but I still have a hell of a time, like trying to remember Cash from Dax, but Dax right. Harwood talks about the story of a little girl who was born with uh, an irregular heartbeat, or at least um, at some point was diagnosed, sorry, a five-year-old diagnosed with an irregular heartbeat. And it was later discovered that she had a hole in the bottom of her heart. Uh, It was a condition where the doctor told her if she worked really hard, uh, she might not need open heart surgery to fix it. So three years later, the little girl works really hard, and the hole has closed up on its own. And he reveals that that eight-year-old little girl is his daughter. Gets a huge reaction from the audience. Mm And uh, Dax says, if that little girl is willing to work that hard for something that's not promised to her, he has no excuse to not do the same. And proceeds to close out this promo against the Briscoes on Saturday night where he says, I'm going to fight like an eight-year-old girl. What did you think about this promo?
1: I thought it was excellent. This is a tasteful way to do real life stories and and incorporate them into the wrestling show. Cause I'm not a big fan of this. Like you, the Christian, he's good at delivery and he's good at playing that smarmy asshole thing. But this is like kind of a, a touching story, especially if you've had somebody in your family that has gone through something similar Mm -hmm. um, or if you yourself are going through something similar, it's a very inspirational story. And I just, I just love the, the delivery of this from Dax. Um, you know, I love FTR, man. I, I think they are the best tag team in wrestling right now.
0: Completely agreed. And I mean, on that note, uh, my nephew went through this exact same, same thing. Right. And, um, I wanted to use this time to, again, shout out the uh, Children's Heart Surgery Fund, which is uh the the charity that Benno and Martin uh were trying to raise funds for. They did a tremendous job going 150, like something like 1,500 pounds they raised for uh that particular charity. I believe the donation page might still be open. So follow at BushB01 for a bit more uh, about that. But as if, you know, anybody needed more reason to love FTR, you know, like, Dax pretty much like delivers the most personal promo of his entire career and uh, did it here, you know, without, I think, a lot of time and in in a very short amount of words and just, yeah, what a rallying cry. And when we head to Saturday, it really looks like they are going going to be the main event. So we're talking about FTR main eventing a pay per view all on their own here. Uh, And and
1: they should be the main event.
0: Absolutely. You know what? And I
1: I like the line I I have in my notes over here. That's why I keep looking off to the side. Um, he said, I'm going to fight like a eight year old girl, uh, this Saturday. It was, I just, I really thought this is one of the best promos that I've heard, uh, this year.
0: It really was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you know, up until this point, we have not seen the Briscoes at all on this show, including their little kind of interview segment where they agreed to the two out of three falls, um, uh, stipulation that was aired exclusively on YouTube. So, I mean, you know, you can continue to ask, like, uh, is this part of that reported edict from somebody at Warner of not wanting the Briscoes on their TV? Doesn't seem to be preventing them from mentioning the Briscoes and mentioning this main event, nor from Tony Khan, you know, potentially putting the Briscoes up on that pedestal by putting them in this main event. So,
1: yeah, the bris if if you're a corporation, I understand. uh just Warner Brothers discovery, um not wanting that team on television just yet. I don't know how much they've atoned because it wasn't like I think I, I'm I'm I could easily forgive like a racial slur um or even something like a homophobic slur. But what what the that Briscoe did was he kind of talked about his feelings in that rant. And that's just not as easy. That's why I have such a hard time uh, taking Hulk Hogan seriously. It wasn't like he just said the N word once or twice and moved on. He really went like knee deep in the woods with his feelings, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I, and- I, I want the Briscoes to, to have success. I am hope that, you know, they're sorry About that rant, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, they do what they need to do to atone for it. Because I definitely think that's still biting them in the ass.
0: You know, one of one of the unfortunate things about I think our communication system um, is, and one of the terrible things that that um, that that reminds us all that we we should be careful with our words is is that um, apologies get. Far less press than the initial incident that you might, you know, be right. in hot water for. And um, when it comes to the Briscoes, like we, we've we had Ian Riccoboni on our show. And um, I believe Ian Riccoboni is, um, you know, uh, has 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 a sort of a, a background in like, you know, sex sex education is a mm-hmm. you no, know, you know, very outspoken about being an ally. He's spoken about the Briscoes asking Questions about you know um, various terms and and various sort of like you know things that are are maybe just out of curiosity and and also for wanting to actually wanting to get an education on um, uh, uh, perhaps things that they were not not as aware of in the past and I I I just think that they're, they're in this situation like I if if somebody like Rickabani is willing to vouch for them I'm willing to to accept his his take right um. But, you know, things like that aren't going to be as publicized as maybe, you know, um, when you just Google, like, the Briscoes and, and what comes up. So um, no matter what, what it is, like, it, it continues to be a discussion whenever you bring the Briscoes up about their past. And I, I wonder if Tony Khan is deciding to go further with them as part of, like, the Ring of Honor project, if, if right. some, some some more public resolution needs to be presented that way. Yeah.
1: I'm a I'm because I I one of one of my uh, jobs is I work with um people uh, I work with youth in jail and I work with older people in jail and I I'm a firm believer that everybody deserves a second chance um and you know until the, you know especially for something like this because you know th- that stuff comes from you know, years like that homophobia and, and racism and bullshit like that. It comes from like years of, of brainwash and that can be unwashed from people. I, I, I've, I've seen it with my own eyes. And like you said, the apology isn't getting as much story as the offense. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see. I think they'll be fine. Ultimately if, if Rick Abani is vouching for them, um, you know, I, I, I don't. I, I'm just me personally. I don't mind forgiving people, especially if they don't mess up like that again. That's just me.
0: This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. So that, you know, seems to be the most we really had for Ring of Honor. um, And we'll see if we get a bit more uh, push for that on Rampage. Uh, Or actually, uh, I take my words back because here we have Sanjay Dutt and Jay Legal and Sutton Um Singh. Uh, They're in the back being interviewed and commenting about how and why Samoa Joe is not there and has not been seen really for several, several weeks now, if not months. Christopher Daniels, who seems to be a bit of a surrogate for uh, Samoa Joe in this feud, he comes in and says that Joe isn't going to waste his breath <laughs> on these three. Uh, he challenges Jay Lethal to a match on Friday. So, again, coming off of watching the countdown to this, this sucks. This build on TV for this entire <laughs> program has been awful. I mean, uh, I think like Sanjay like is a good performer, but I think he's way too over the top you know, for right. the tone of story. And for that matter, maybe like on some level, like Jay lethal might be a little too over the top for, I think the type of realism that fans expect from an ROH program. If you watch the countdown, like it's, it's steeped in the right. history between these two about how, you know, lethal was a part of special K going nowhere. And Christopher uh, Samoa, Joe then like, you know, ROH champion plucks him from obscurity and just kind of mentors him uh, all the way until lethal won the peer title, which Joe, took from him and that just began these decades of uh, worth of, of resentment between the two. You got none of that. If you watched Rampage and Dynamite, you, you would have just thought it was some sort of stupid uh thing with like these this 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 Sutton Singh attacking uh, out of nowhere and Jay you know Sanjay Dart screaming. So kind of disappointed by all of this. We have Jade Cargill and Kiara Hogan they're coming out with Stokely Hathaway and Jermaine Dupri, okay, somebody I did not expect to see on okay. professional wrestling TV.
1: So do you? I, you have to have a, f- a favorite Jermaine Dupri track.
0: Well, listen, are we talking about like production? Or are we talking about like we could talk about production
1: or rap? Which whichever one?
0: I mean, listen, he's he's a legend. You know, you yeah. look at Chris Cross, you look at right. uh, I don't know, Usher, like every Usher, Usher hit basically. Um yeah. Didn't he do like the Boy Is mine?
1: Um, yeah, I think he did do that one too. He did the boy is because he's he works real closely with Monica. Um uh, my favorite Jermaine Dupree track that he raps on is Money Ain't a Thing with um mm-hmm. with Jay-Z. Um and um yeah, I just I I like that whole Atlanta crew. Um I just just seeing him on TV with stokely hathaway and the baddies just just brought a smile to my face for some reason i thought it was awesome
0: it brought a smile to my face and i wish it brought a smile to jermaine dupree's face because i he the man looked completely yeah. expressionless like i don't know if like it, he must be a wrestling fan i have to imagine or at least i don't know yeah he just...
1: like so anytime i've seen i've seen jermaine <laughs> dupree on other things like there's this episode from a of a different world from like 92 or something like that where Chris Cross is on there and then J- jermaine dupree is at the end of that uh, comes on at the end of that episode and he has that same exact exp- expressionless face um that he has I, if you watch the um the janet jackson documentary um janet jackson is one of my all-time faves um and he's Did in he that date, he dated he her, dated, right? yeah. Jeez, wow. he, he dated her and uh cheated on her or whatever. Um, but he <laughs> okay. even even when he was describing that, he just he's just he's an expressionless guy, you know. I don't uh-huh. think it's a I don't think he was necessarily bored to be there, but his, mm-hmm. his face and his voice doesn't tell a lot of stories, you know. Like like P Diddy. You always know when he's like angry and happy and all that stuff. Jermaine Dupree is a little bit harder to read, in my opinion.
0: He really should have come out with Orange Cassidy, I think, you know, doing the same, <laughs> doing the same gimmick.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah.
0: So uh, <laughs> we have Athena and Willow Nightingale taking on Jade Cargill and Kira Hogan with Jermaine Dupree. Sitting ringside here. Um, Jade largely stays out of the ring and allows Hogan to take turns with both baby faces. Willow Nightingale attacks Jade off the apron with the cannonball, followed by Athena with a plancha as we go to commercial break. Coming back, Jade stands toe-to-toe with Athena, and we get a good little striking sequence between the, t- the two. Jade catches Athena's crossbody and lands a fallaway slam. She showboats with a big kip up, but Athena does the same in the background with her own. Uh, good chemistry i thought between the two right. stokely distracts athena and allows jade to take her out for the rest of the match jade is then left alone with willow as she hits a, a, a like a john cena proto bomb for a near fall followed by jaded for the victory what did you think of the match chris
1: i thought it was a decent match i, I thought for the first week that willow nightingale felt important um and necessary to the women's division. I think this episode, the women didn't appear on um, TV um, until 6, six thirteen PM my time. So I guess it would have been 9, 13 PM your time. Mm-hmm. So I did have to point that out. They still have a, a ways to go with the women. Hopefully, I hope they sign Naomi, Sasha and Paige, because I think this women's division really needs a jolt of star power, power. I thought that um, this match, though, was um, was fine. Um, and I like that the other women in the match got showcased. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Athena, I think this was kind of one of her biggest showcases, too, because she looked like she had Jade on the ropes, like she had never been on the ropes before. So, um, you know, we'll see where this – and Jade – You know, she feels like the most important champion in the company, too, as far as the women are concerned.
0: Yeah, in comparison to Thunder Rosa... Yeah. Um, You could make that argument, you know, that, that they're a very close one and two in terms of like star power and presence. Yeah. I, I, I would, I wouldn't disagree. I think Athena has been so important to, uh, this, the, the work rate, I would say of this company. Right. And in particular to like this baddies group, because right. you're talking about three relatively. You know, inexperienced and grilled wrestlers Mm -hmm. and they need competitors that are veterans like an Athena in order to make their shit look good. And I thought Athena made Jade look fantastic here. Um, they have very good chemistry and I look forward to that singles match. Willow Nightingale is a star. Okay. Like it's, it's one of those things that you can't necessarily explain, but she has whatever factor that people look for when it comes to attractive, like baby faces that people just gravitate towards. And she's got that. Um, so yeah. I hope to see her, you know, as a more constant, uh, throughout this, this feud, if not this, you know, entire division, I think here Hogan, you know, like she's in a decent role right now, but man, like every, anytime I see her in the ring, I just, I think she's falling below the standard in my opinion, you know?
1: Yeah, um, I agree too. I think, and I, and, that, and it's crazy cause I didn't really think that when she was in impact, but I just don't think she's hit her rhythm in AEW yet. And um, I hope that changes soon.
0: In the back, we go to (laughs) Thunderstorm. Excuse me. Thunderstorm. Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. This is where Thunder Rosa cuts a promo on uh, Yamashita delivering some lines in Japanese. Their match is made official for Fight for the Fallen next week on Dynamite. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter come in too, and they are here to announce that they're also going to be on the show on Friday, I should say. So, this is our big Excalibur rundown here and uh I will I'm not even going to attempt to do it in the same pace. I will be taking my time because Friday on Rampage, fi- the, the Fighter Fest week 2 night 2, Butcher in the Blade take on Alex Silver and sorry, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, uh Lee Moriarty versus Dante Martin Brit Baker and Jamie Hader are in action. We got the rap battle between Max Caster and Austin Gunn. And we have Jay Lethal versus Christopher Daniels. Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor on Saturday. Wheeler Yuta versus Daniel Garcia for the pure t- title. We have Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deep for the ROH women's title. FTR versus the Briscoes in a two out of three falls match for the tag team championship. Willow Nightingale versus Allison Kaye just added here to the zero hour, which is essentially their version of the buy-in. We have Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal for the TV Championship. And then also announced here, The Righteous taking on Dalton Castle and the Boys for the Ring of Honor six man tag team titles, which I had no idea were still active. Next week, we have Thunder Rosa versus Miyu Yamashita for the AEW Women's Championship. Ricky Starks versus Dan Housen for the FTW Championship. With more matches to be announced for Death Before Dishonor and Fight for the Fallen next week. That is 13 matches across three shows that Excalibur had to get through here, followed by some plug for some dragon thing on TBS. So,
1: oh, yeah, even... it was um, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Dragon something. I'll watch it eventually.
0: Okay, all right, even like you know, J- like it was really funny seeing JR just be like, wow, like you, you know, at the end here, it's all about <laughs> our main event, everybody. It is the Shark Cage barbed wire everywhere shark infested match with Eddie Kingston versus the Painmaker, Chris Jericho Ruby Soho is ringside and has the keys to the shark cage, which is suspended above the arena containing members of the Jericho Appreciation Society, except Sammy Guevara. We should state Kingston comes out with a barbed wire wrapped microphone, and he uses it to smash Jericho in the head, immediately cutting him open before yelling into the microphone, Is this on? You're going to bleed. Shark Week. (laughs) His his way of adding some uh, not-so-subtly-forced integration into uh, Shark Week. I I wonder. Yeah, Discovery must have been happy about this. Yes. Crowd, Crowd is in a frenzy. Jericho is already bleeding, and Kingston is biting Jericho's forehead all around the ring. There's barbed wire laced around the ropes and on top of tables and chairs inside the ring. Kingston is, you know, is Iris whipping Jericho into the barbed wire as Jericho Appreciation Society looks from the uh, cage. Kingston hits Jericho with a barbed wire chair. Jericho comes back with a top rope Rana to Kingston onto a barbed wire table. After the commercial break, both men are very bloody. Both men are stuck in barbed wire. Uh, Kingston suplexes Jericho off the apron through another barbed wire table. Both guys. Taken a lot of punishment here, but out comes Ty Conti of the Jericho Appreciation Society. She attacks Ruby Soho ringside, and Soho, you know, kind of kind of takes charge. But then out comes Anna J Con- Conti's former friend to save Soho. After a bit of um discussion, Anna J turns heel here attacking ruby soho reuniting with ty conti uh this certainly felt like it kind of came out of nowhere and probably means that anna jay's out of the dark order would you say chris
1: yeah probably um i'm i was a little confused by this but i don't i don't i don't think the dark order is the same faction that it used to be anyway so you know it's fine
0: Uh, So Anna Jay seemingly has linked back up with Ty Conti. Is she a member of the Jericho Appreciation Society? Who knows at this point? Mm -hmm. So they have control of the shark cage lowering device. So Jay lowers the shark cage. Conti is struggling with the keys to open the cage, but it's kind of pointless because Garcia and a bunch of the other members are just able to squeeze through the bars anyway. And they come to Chris Jericho's rescue attacking Eddie Kingston out comes Ortiz with a mad ball and the Blackpool Combat Club. The mad ball is, is a hit to Jericho. Exploder suplex from Kingston to Jericho through a barbed wire table. As Eddie lifts a barbed wire chair over his head, Jericho counters it with a code breaker. But in the process, kind of drives the chair into his own face. And Jericho at this point almost kind of pauses for a long second just to kind of like um real from the pain here and 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 when he his face appears like he he's sliced up pretty badly here so uh jericho taking a lot of punishment out of this jericho is about to line salt the barbed wire chair onto kingston but the chair is thrown right into jericho's knees in midair kingston then grabs a barbed wire uh for his barbed wire stretch plum. Sammy Guevara then comes in to save Jericho. You know what? Sammy must have been. Was he in the shark cage?
1: No, he. I didn't see him in the shark cage. No.
0: Okay. So he just, I guess, comes in from the back here to save Jericho. Jericho wraps the barbed wire around his arm and hits Kingston with a barbed wire Judas effect. Uh, an incredibly violent match here. Chris, what did you think of it, the main event?
1: <sighs> the, I liked the match. It was fine. The, the blood and stuff. I, I don't. It, it, that wasn't a draw or a turn off for me. It was what it was. Um, I like the Jays that um, that uh, Sammy Guevara were wearing, was wearing. I thought those were some cool <laughs> shoes. Uh, I think this feud needs to end. I I I I am growing tired of it, and it seems like it might continue. I want this to be over. That's that's just my opinion. Come for me, AEW fans.
0: (laughs) I'm kind of surprised you have that opinion, and and I mean, I I, of course I respect your opinion. Do not go after Chris. I think he's he's well reasoned and has justification. (laughs) But I've I've been enjoying almost every chapter of this feud, Chris. You know, the first match was tremendous. It was followed up upon by Stadium, uh, sorry, Anarchy in the Arena, which was also tremendous, and also, uh, finally, what was it, uh, uh, Blood and Guts. And this match which i thought like might have taught the others in terms of violence at least you know per, on a personal right. level between jericho and kingston so as a as a feud ending match that was billed as a barbed wire everywhere match they more than lived up to those expectations right. um man jericho like <laughs> this was one of the most violent matches i've seen chris jericho in and
1: yeah yeah like um he definitely earned his check tonight just being in that blood out the match I liked I thought it was fine um is it's just um like this feud like it, except for a few wins for Eddie Kingston has kind of been a little one side too one sided for my liking um and who I won? could be t- huh
0: who won um who won the uh well they won blood and guts didn't they
1: they, they yeah they uh the, the good guys, uh, the, yeah, uh, the faces. Full, full combo, yeah, they won blood and guts. Um, every week for like three weeks or four weeks straight, Eddie Kingston kept walking into ass weapons, uh, by the Jericho appreciation society. Um, Kingston won the first match between the first one on watch one match between mm-hmm. him and Jericho. Um, and, um, is just and then last week um the the the, the Kingston and Ruby Soho walked into an ambush again and it's just for me it's just like you said the match itself were good the matches have been good it's just the feud itself i'm kind of ready to to see something else um that doesn't mean that this is this was a boring thing. And I know that this that this feud is for other people. Um and I appreciate that. It's just I'm kinda like, okay, what's 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 next for these guys, man? I, I wanna i I wanna see see it get mixed up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I wonder if the Jericho appreciates it appreciation society and and this uh blackpool combat club still have more uh left i would certainly say like this is probably the end of like mock uh kingston and 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 jericho as a personal feud i certainly don't want to see them top something like this and um after like you know really four big encounters i i don't know where else you can really go so um yeah i i, I yeah we shall see if the rest of this feud continues on a bigger scale this show ends with the closing sequence uh where kingston is supposed to Duck an attack from Chris Jericho. And Jericho is supposed to, you know, do that thing where he's supposed to inadvertently hit Sammy. The timing, unfortunately, was totally off here. And this resulted (laughs) in something very messy between the three of them. It ends with Jericho being sent into a barbed wire spiderweb deal on the outside as Kingston stands tall as we rush to a close on this show. And I scramble to get ready for the stream. Your thoughts overall on this edition of Dynamite, Chris?
1: yeah I, th- I do think the sudden stops of this sh- of these shows are like second week in a row they did this it w- it was kind of annoying. i thought overall it was a it was a good show um I think that um a e w really you know goes out of their way to please uh the network that they're on in simultaneously trying to please the fans. Shark Week is always a big week for Discovery Channel, and now that it's Warner Brothers Discovery, um, they it, I I thought the integration of that sponsor of that sponsor was was so good. It was because it, it wasn't like obnoxious because I don't know if you've seen like the WWE ones where you guys I have the, seen them, yes. Yeah, where they're like throwing pizza and shit. Like this was like like a subtle fig it was like in the background and it actually kind of made me want to watch shark week this year and i never really do you know so i think uh that was accomplished i'm interested in the roh pay-per-view even though i don't think the masses are i'm interested in it um i was pleased with this show i was happy to come on here and um be positive of of a show. Oh, one more, one more thing. Uh shout out to um Stokely Hathaway for for bringing up the Cochran firm uh because that was what about uh, first internships when I was in college was working at the uh Cochran firm uh by the, the with the uh late great Johnny Cochran. Um they got firms all over the place and I thought that that him bringing up that firm and for that order of protection or whatever he got I, th- I thought it was just genius um and yeah there was more on this show that I liked and I, and I didn't hate anything on this show the stuff that I didn't like is, is more of a nitpick so I'm happy
0: I thought this was a really strong show of Dynamite. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as always, fast moving as ever, but maybe if I wasn't taking notes, it wouldn't be a problem for me. Uh, Brody King versus Darby Allen was tremendous. I thought Wheeler Yuta yeah. and John Moxley versus the best friends was also tremendous from a storytelling perspective, which is not always what you get on editions of Dynamite. FTR right. had one of the best promos, I think, of uh, Dax Harwood's career. Yes, And I think a main event, that that lived up to its very violent billing that felt like an end of a a big program here so you know you can definitely criticize this show for not being a great go-home show for ring of honor but you know i've seen enough of of this of AEW tv leading up to this ring of honor pay-per-view to to not necessarily think that that's their intent even so this this we this relationship or at least like how ring of honor is going to be built as a sub-brand of AEW's. Uh, continues to, you know, somewhat somewhat perplex me because it does not feel like they're at least a 100% in on using AEW TV to promote a pay-per-view like they do their typical AEW uh, events. So, you know, it's like they're almost kind of building it at a distance, wanting to give some resources but not everything to it. So that's pretty interesting. Let's go to some of your super chats before we get out of here and some of your feedback. The first of which comes to us from Jake from the Windy City who says, the main event was awful. I'm done with Jericho and Eddie. So sharing your opinion of it all, Chris.
1: Yeah, I I didn't say awful, but I I feel you. Uh, I I do want it to move on.
0: We go to... Thank you very much for the support, Jake. We got a Hanzi who says, I hope this leads to Hook versus Starks for the FTW title. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Hook has been, like, you know, not absent, but, like, completely kind of separated from a whole lot of other things lately.
1: Right. Like, Hook, I just... I don't understand Hook. I know I'm probably in the minority with this, but again, it just like just the the it's it's too much like I I I don't care about Hook. Um and I hope the kid has a successful career in AEW, but I I just don't care about him right now.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's really odd that they've just suddenly dropped this Hookhausen deal and yeah. um without any sort of explanation. Um, and really without any sort of like f- significant follow-up programs right. for Hook. So um, unless I'm forgetting something that he's currently involved with in AEW. I, I mean, other than like hitting on Lexi Nair. Um, yeah. But I like Hansi's idea of, you know, Starks doing this open challenge and all of a sudden Hook shows up. How is Taz going to react on commentary when, when that happens? I'd love to see that.
1: So yeah, I think I think that'd be fine too. Um, the, I think the problem that I'm having with Hook right now is I just don't um, take him as a serious threat to anybody. Even someone like a Starks, I feel is is way above him. That doesn't mean they can't have a match, and Hook couldn't rise to the level of Starks. But I just I think the way they've been booking him. I don't know what the word for it is. is. It too, maybe it's too ironic for me. It just doesn't. He just doesn't seem like a a threat to anyone on the roster. That's that's like at the level of Ricky Starks and above.
0: Hmm. Before we get out of here, we have some feedback from forum.postwrestling.com where we open our forums threads to. All of our patrons at Post Wrestling Cafe.com. We start off here with Johnny Sanchez who says I really like this episode of Dynamite. Great promos from both tag champs and a strong push for the ROH pay-per-view. I um I mean, maybe it's because I just watched the Canton show, but I kind of disagree. Maybe for that match, yes, but I don't know about the the rest. But anyway, Johnny goes on to say, love the Brody-Darby match. Massive fan of Brody King, and I'm glad they continued to push him as a monster. There's a lot of blood in that cage match, but hilarious to see the JAS squeeze through the bars when Ty couldn't open the cage fast enough. I do have two complaints. If this was the end of the Kingston-Jericho feud, that was a bit lackluster. And if not the end, it's been going one far too long. While I did watch how do you how could that be how was this match lackluster I mean yeah. maybe as a like what like are people complaining that it was too sloppy is that, i think is, is the, that I
1: think people it? just want to be done with the feud because I don't think the match was lackluster but i do i i want to move on from this this is this this is kind of like um if you ever watch like uh, days of our lives or passions or something like that the drag out stories for just forever and they don't end this is kind of my my deal with this eddie i'm ready for, how long has this been going on now it's been like
0: ooh, yeah three I four mean, months yeah since since like uh, you know two pay-per-view cycles right yeah so
1: so, so it's for time that? for it to be over
0: there, certainly uh, he also says while I did enjoy the me you thunder match I know some of my friends that didn't and question the upcoming title match should they have let the match build up maybe more singles matches for me you on dynamite or maybe they should have advertised the dark match more to get people up to speed um, you can make that argument um, I, you know it's AEW booking is somewhere in between booking for the masses and booking for the people that have that watch every single independent wrestling show that's out there and there are some cases, like I suppose in this case, where if you don't know who Miyu Yamashita is, you did not take the time to go on AEW Dark that particular week to watch the match. They're just going to move on, um, and you know, hope that you just enjoy the match for what it is next week. Yeah,
1: and that's so. kind of how I felt about it. I didn't, you know, I didn't care about the dark backstory. I just kind of enjoyed it for what it was
0: yeah all right we go up next to uh robbie from london ontario i'm gonna have to skip some of these because we just have so many so robbie says <laughs> even though i was distracted by the current tornado warning while dynamite was in its first hour no worries we just had heavy rain in london ontario i enjoyed the rest of ton. with dan hasn't been ricky's next challenger do you guys think this is leading the hook challenging or is that just wishful taking i did not even put that together Chris.
1: Yeah. I didn't even put that together e- either. Hopefully it does, man. Hopefully it, it leads to something like that. And, you know, I think if hook and Starks has a good match, that will, that will bring hook up um, because he, he needs something to elevate him from this jokey status for, for me, you know, because I, like, I don't see anything special, like uh, announce he's like waiting backstage with an announcer and uh, she asks him a question and then he just ignores her and walks away like a dick. That, that to me yeah. is They're not awful. somebody I care about.
0: No, the backstage segments, anything non-wrestling they've done with Hook has been pretty awful, I right. have to say. Um, so maybe less TV time for him when he's not wrestling. It, it, it will ultimately help him. But uh, yeah, I didn't even put that together, Robbie. It would be a perfect way. Or, you know, Hooked up to come and choose between his allegiances to either Dan Housen or Ricky Starks next week. So maybe they're intentionally separating them without explanation on purpose, just as a bit of a misdirect. Tenise from Georgia says, I was live at Dynamite. Darby is going to need to soak in F's insult after his match with Brody. Miro being a face is very intriguing, and I'm here for it. Soon, TK won't be able to delay Jade and Ricky Starks turning face. The crowd loved them. That Kevin Gates young MA joke had me rolling. The only setback was Jericho Kingston. The match was going great until Overbook took over. It can be doable sometimes, but this took the steam out for me. Other than that, this was fun and had a great time. Take care, good people. Okay. So a lot of people actually, at least to me, seemingly more, you know, down on that main event for various reasons here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think it's just getting old to people and shout out to her for being in that, that crowd in um, Atlanta. Um, Like, like I said, I love Atlanta. That's, it's one of my favorite cities to to go to and visit and um, they really represented and, and made that show feel like an important show. So shout out to them.
0: Hacksaw Jim Powers from our nation's capital says, this dynamite seemed to have a bit of everything, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Lots of hard-hitting matches, that's a good thing. Warner Music Group recording artist Kevin Gates and former music mogul Jermaine Dupri as active participants, not so good a thing. By the way, if it seems like Jermaine Dupri has been around forever, it's because he has. He discovered Crisscross over 30, 30 years ago before his 20th birthday. Yes, and the main event was almost too chaotic. It's that same old AEW problem of trying to cram too much into a match or angle that you end up confused and not knowing what parts you're supposed to care about and wind up forgetting about all of it. It happens so often that it actually seems to be a big issue that keeps the company from taking the next step. Sending my best to the professor and hope your recovery continues to go well.
1: Oh thank you i appreciate that and um yeah I, I i do have to kick back a little bit with the uh with the rappers uh, appearing i I don't think they did any harm I don't think eric Nice is a person that's gonna <laughs> be or not eric nice uh Toby, no
0: he's eric nice from now on he's he, he's, to, uh, he's adopted the his son has taken over.
1: Yeah, Tony Nees is I don't think he's a guy <laughs> that is a priority for them right now. So if anybody's gonna be getting punched by uh Kevin Gates, it should be somebody like him. So I was cool with that. And I thought and the thing is I like the that I liked about the Jermaine Dupree thing is all he did was 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 be there with Stokely. That's that's that was good enough for me, is just to show that Stokely is an important person, and he's friends with people like that. Mm. And that to me, I think if you do anything more with these guys, you're overthinking it. I think I don't think Jermaine Dupree needed to come out there, say something stupid, or do something stupid. Just be out there, sit down, show that Jade has a powerful click, Jade has got connections. And you did your job.
0: Last piece of feedback of the night goes to Muggin, who says, where do I start? It's been advertised as the final chapter of the Kingston Jericho saga. It started off well, but man, did this fall off a cliff with the (laughs) overbooking from the Anna J turn to the Sammy assist. And it sucked all the air out of my room. How much juice is left to squeeze out of this story? All out. Now on to what I did like. FTR are thriving as baby faces. Jungle Boy's return is aces. Willow Nightingale is impossible to boo. Keith Lee and Swer- Swerve Strickland got to bask in their championship glory, and Blackpool Combat Club are the best faction in the company. I hope death before dishonor cheers me up. Wow. Okay. So I mean, it seems well, like they, in l- Yeah. Go ahead. Chris.
1: They hate the uh, Jericho uh, keeks thing more than I did because I didn't hate it. I just I'm just over it, but yeah these people don't like that
0: seems like mugging like the entire show but might have been soured by the main event and um, might might need a bit of cheering back up on uh saturday so we will be back here of course to talk about AEW on friday night as we talk about rampage the true go home show uh and the end of fighter fest uh as part of rewind of smackdown i will be back with kate from montreal who will also be joining me on saturday for our death before dishonor post show both of those shows are going to be exclusive for members of the post wrestling cafe, PostWrestlingCafe.com. cafe.com $6 a month gets you access to everything, including MCU later, including every single edition of rewind away that we have ever done, including every rewind of SmackDown every single Friday this Saturday. It is our death before dishonor post show as well. G one coverage throughout the entire G one exclusively for cafe members. So still a lot of it to come out. Um, and also the wellness policy tomorrow but Saturday maybe the main event Chris the return of the Nubian wrestling advocates
1: yes man there's a lot to talk about i can't wait to um talk about this Vince Soss saga a little bit more um talk about this Titus O'Neill thing you know it was that was mm-hmm. a little bit nuts um and uh yeah man i'm i'm looking forward to it and I, and thank you for uh having me on tonight man um it's 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 good press for the dr ely brand so i appreciate it
0: he's a man of many talents uh a, I, I, we we love hearing chris on the airwaves and it was a pleasure getting to finally do one of these with you so where can people follow more of chris ely
1: um you can follow me on twitter at km easy does it um i've got like a like over a thousand followers now so it's 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 starting to become a little much for me that wasn't something that I expected um at the beginning of the year so I appreciate the love um you so you can um yeah follow me on Twitter you can um um I'm building a website and then also you can read me Uh, read some of my articles on WrestleNomics. My next one is coming out, I think, at the beginning of August. Um, And uh, yeah, man, um, it's just been a great ride with Post. I've loved every second of it.
0: KMEZ does it on Twitter is where you can find him. I am at Way0937. I will be back tomorrow for the Wellness Policy at 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be tweeting out a link where everybody can join us as we talk about Jordan Goodman's Bummer summer with myself, Jordan, and Neil Flanagan, who will be joining us as a permanent co host on the Wallace Policy yeah. coming up. So, a lot more. I, can, you know, I
1: can't wait to be a guest on that show, too.
0: We <laughs> would love to have you. Absolutely. So, yeah. um you know, uh, even tomorrow if you want to tune in, Chris, but no pressure, of course. You are a very busy man. Okay. At some point, we will be speaking to you. So, uh, until then, we will talk to you. Goodbye.